You're listening to the Red Wave Report, the number one rated Fresno State podcast, the official free podcast of TheBarkBoard.com. The thoughts and opinions are that of the show hosts and in no way reflect the thoughts and opinions of the university. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Wave Report. I am Lucio Reek, being joined by the publisher of the Bark Board, Mr. Jackson Moore. Jackson, how are you doing today? I'm doing well, Lucio. How are you? Uh, hanging in there. Um, you know, had a root canal this week. So, you know, <laughs> I, I guess things are things are looking up, so to speak, now that that's all done and over with. <laughs> uh, but it is not the one thing that I really wish upon anyone. I mean, you get to sit in a chair for about two, three, three hours, you know, just letting that guy mess around in your mouth. It, it's never a fun thing to do. But other than that, Jackson, how how have you been this past week? Yeah, I got to say my week's probably been considerably better <laughs> than yours, uh, sorry to say. Uh, you know, it's homecoming week for Fresno State, and you know, I think even some of the biggest Fresno State fans, there's just, I don't know, you, it's just homecoming. More people, I guess, come back for, to, to the home game. You don't really think about all the festivities. I mean, I was just a student recently, and I don't remember a whole lot going on, but uh, they were amping it up a little bit. They had a concert last night with the T Pain in there, and I got to go uh, use my alumni card and and grab some tickets and sit with the students. And that uh, was actually a pretty full, pretty excited environment. So uh, I mean, had to have been a good six, seven thousand students. It looked like in there and, and alumni, and uh, it looked like they got people excited for the game coming up. So hopefully, there's a little more school spirit going on this week. See, I could never do that because Jackson, you can still, uh, you can still, uh, you know. Pass off as a student. If I showed up, I, I mean, I, they would look at me and say, "Hey, go sit in the regular section. Come on." But I mean, it sounds sounds like fun. I mean, the you know they're starting to do something good for uh, for homecoming. I don't remember in the past them having that much kind of uh, events going on, unless I'm mistaken. Jackson, is this kind of a new thing for them? Yeah, they've. Uh, I guess this was their third year doing this concert i really hadn't heard about it in the past but i heard t-pain and it piqued my interest so <laughs> i made it out there and i know they've got a lot actually going on on campus they've been doing a lot of things that i don't remember seeing when i was a student and um i don't know if there's a whole lot going on on game day but i do know they're going to have some doghouse tri-tip sandwiches being sold and that's good enough for me <laughs> <laughs> and for those of you who don't know jackson he goes wherever the food goes yeah so <laughs> if you have food he will follow you i mean he just loves it <laughs> but that being said jackson this past week uh we got a chance to get bulldog football back in fresno after pretty much taking a hiatus for for a month or so, or even over a month, um, people were starting to go through some withdrawals here. Uh, but <laughs> it did take a while for the crowd to show up against UNLV, didn't it, Jackson? Yeah, and you know, Fridays, uh, that thing happens. And uh, I was worried that it was just not going to show up at all just because of, you know, it had been such a long time. And the last time the Bulldogs were on TV was a really rough game against Air Force. And um, you know, fortunately, a decent crowd came out, announced over 26,000, and a pretty good amount of those were actual butts in the seats. So it was a decent environment, and the way that the Bulldogs played, it got everyone into it, and the team, they had the most momentum and energy that I had seen all season, thanks to all the turnovers they kept pulling off and all the big plays the offense was making. And it just felt as close to last season, I think, as this team has been all year long, and We'll see if that was a one-time deal or if they can keep that and, and build off of it going forward. And uh, I'd expect to see a lot more fans in the crowd for a Saturday game, for homecoming, for Colorado State. Just a lot of factors make this game a lot more attractive. Well, I was uh, I was with you. I was kind of getting a little uh, concerned there as we we're, you know, getting kicking off the ball. The the stadium looked pretty sparse at the beginning of the game there, but by the end of the first quarter. That that place kind of filled up in a hurry. Uh, it seemed like people got off of work, uh, came out of the tailgates, uh, started going into the stadium. Still, you know, attendance was well under what normally would happen when the Bulldogs are being successful. Uh, but you know, they did really put a good game together this past week. Um, expect I expect to see more crowd there, uh, don't you, Jackson? Yeah, it does sound like they're well on their way to having a much bigger crowd for this one, and you know it's it's going to be a 
you know, what Fresno State fans typically want. It's not going to be the, the late kickoff. It's going to be a 4.30 kick. Uh, it's going to be against a better name opponent uh, with Colorado State. Um, you know, that's it's a much easier, much more convenient, you know, more attractive game to go to. And it sounds like they're well over 30 or are going to be trending that way by the time they kick off well over 30 K. Well, that's good news for the Bulldogs, uh, for sure. They, they do play better when there's a better, a bigger crowd and a better atmosphere in Bulldog Stadium. Uh, hopefully homecoming week does draw the numbers, uh, and, and really the, the fans show out to, to really, uh, support the Bulldogs. Uh, but this past week, they, they did play against this, um, uh, UNLV team that, uh, it, it, it did end up turning into a, a good game, but the Bulldogs really didn't pull away until until late in the second half, Jackson. Is, is that the kind of senses that you picked up as well? Yeah, you know, even at the beginning, I felt UNLV came out a lot tougher. <laughs> yeah. You know, they were coming off the, the win against Vanderbilt on the road, Fresno State with the big loss against Air Force. And, you know, I was down there as you were taking pictures and stuff on the field, viewing from the sidelines. and. It felt like the Rebels just had a lot more energy when they came out. They were kind of punching the Bulldogs in the mouth, so to speak. There was a, a play early on where it looked like Fresno State had fumbled, but it, it ultimately got overturned. But you could just see the, the just the difference in energy and, and the confidence that the two teams had. The Rebels just it looked like they were jumping all over the Bulldogs. But uh, freshman, true freshman linebacker Lavelle Bailey, he came up with two takeaways early in the first quarter and i think that started to turn things around uh, the bulldogs actually weren't able to capitalize on the first one but he gave them really good field position again the second time and they finally did took that quick seven to three lead and you know, it was still kind of back and forth for a while but i think on offense jalen cropper's big run 82 yards is what really gave the bulldogs that next push of momentum and started to give them control of the game he felt like by the time halftime hit you know, it was still close, but the Bulldogs were basically in control. It didn't feel like they were going to let it slip away. And then late in the third, early in the fourth, you know, just the big series of takeaways by the defense again and all the, the offense being able to capitalize on all of them. And Justin Rice, a linebacker, just taking one by himself for a scoop and score. It got ugly real fast. And again, just the the, the view of the team, the, the atmosphere, the expressions on the face was just something different that we've seen from uh, the rest of the season and you can say UNLV is the reason why the opponent but uh, we'll see if that spark of energy and confidence is able to to drive this team a little bit further and, and keep more games going like this yeah, I mean, you could just see it on the Bulldogs' faces, the just the sense of relief uh, of, you know, they, they finally got one under control that they didn't have to take late uh, into the game. Um, you know, it just made it, it made for a better uh, evening for the Bulldogs, especially when they're scoring on defense, uh, something we haven't seen uh, yet this season, uh, a pick six, right, Jackson? Or, uh, yeah, Justin Rice had a scoop and score on a fumble. And uh, that was a big one, too, because the Bulldogs were, you know, it was only 28 to 20, and Fresno State got all the way to the goal line just about and missed a field goal right there within, you know, as easy as it gets. And then all of a sudden, you're still only up by one possession. But, you know, Justin Rice, one play later, picks up a fumble and takes it 18 yards for a touchdown, and all of a sudden it's 35 20, just like that. I think that really took the wind out of UNLV and. Uh, set up the uh, the rash of 21 points over the course of two and a half minutes in the fourth quarter. Uh, that was just ridiculous to see and uh, really made sure for, uh, UNLV was never going to come back. Well, the the interesting part was the the turnover margin that the Bulldogs had in that game. I believe they had uh, was it five or six turnovers in in their favor with no turnovers uh, against them. Uh, if I'm correct there, Jackson, am I about right there? Yeah, they had five takeaways and they gave the ball over zero time, or they gave away, had no turnovers uh, themselves. So that was big. And, you know, just about all the turnovers that Fresno State forced set up the offense as good as you could ask. Um, uh, there was several interceptions. Um, Aaron Mosby put the Bulldogs at the one yard line on offense. Uh, there was another interception by uh, Juju Hughes that put the Bulldogs at the 23 yard line. Uh, those set up two touchdowns real fast. Um, there was a turnover on downs the defense created. 
in that stretch as well. And then Reyna throws a 53-yard pass to Darion Grimm on the next play. So it was just a real fast series of plays, and it was both offense and defense that made it happen. Yeah, I mean, it, it, uh, it was uh, fun to watch, to say the least. When, uh, when the Bulldogs <laughs> are, are, are really picking up turnovers like that, I mean, it just makes things a, a whole lot more interesting. Although it, it, it makes it a little, a little more difficult on me as I'm trying to run around the field and all of a sudden it, the play's going in the other direction. So uh, I know you get into that same problem, Jackson. We're, we're, <laughs> we seem like we're in the right position. All of a sudden the ball's going in the other direction. <laughs> so it, it, it makes for a, a fun evening of us just running around quite a bit. But, you know, some of the things that were happening there uh, we that we noticed, um, you know, Ronnie Rivers continues to struggle on the ground, uh, you know, albeit it is not completely his fault. Uh, the offensive line is not doing him any favors. Uh, so what's your take on that? What, what do you see going on there with the Ronnie Rivers? Yeah, you know, the running game as a whole was probably the one concern you take out of this game. You know, there was actually a few defensive breakdowns as well in the first half that were concerning too, but it ultimately didn't cost the Bulldogs anything. Um, But the running game, as a team, they did fine. 36 carries for 260 yards and six touchdowns. I mean, I'll take that every week if you can get it. But uh, the way it happened is still, you know, leaving much to be desired for Fresno State. Uh, Ronnie Rivers had 14 carries for 51 yards, uh, long of 11, just kind of an average night. Uh, Josh Hokett, seven carries for 33 yards. Uh, He did have three touchdowns, but some of those just kind of punching those scores in. Um, So not a lot of opportunities to pad stats in the yardage totals on those opportunities. But, you know, you're still looking at about three, three to four yards a carry. It's good, but not great. Uh, when you have Jalen Cropper running for 82 yards on one carry, you have Reyna running for 40 yards on one carry. Those things all kind of uh, inflate your numbers. But uh, UNLV is not really known for their run defense. They've been pretty poor at it. And that felt like a, a good opportunity for Fresno State to take advantage and establish the run in a way that they haven't this season. And it just did not quite happen that way. It, in the traditional sense, at least with Reyna and Hokett, it's still been a, a little bit of a struggle. But the one good thing about the offensive line is that they've really stepped things up against the, the pass rush. Uh, zero sacks on Jorge Reyna, I believe. So uh, a real good step in the right direction. And it's been a lot better over the last couple of weeks, too. Uh, zero sacks against UNLV, one against Air Force, one against New Mexico State. So uh, Reyna's not running for his life back there the way he was the first three games. It's been a much different. And we'll see if they can kind of get a better push in the run game with the confidence they're getting against the pass. They're not having to worry so much about their performance there. Uh, there was a, a change at left guard where Bullish Schmidt, a true freshman, started the game. And then retro freshman Jace Fuamatu finished the game uh, throughout about the second midway through the second quarter and beyond. He was the guy and. Uh, it looked like they had some success there running the ball a little bit better after that change, while Schmidt maybe had a little bit better pa- pass protection. So even though we're six games into the season, they're still tinkering around with that O-line, and they seem to be improving. But, you know, Colorado State's another team that hasn't defended the run very well, and um, you know, eventually they're going to get some better defenses in the coming weeks, and they're going to have to figure things out before they play those kinds of teams. Yeah, so things are things are starting to you know like you said the offensive line did look like a, a little bit better than what we've seen so far this season. Um although you know it is kind of a work in progress. There's still pieces being moved around as far as I I I'm aware of, right Jackson? The, the offensive line is still a work in progress, right? Yeah, I mean they're still figuring out that left guard position with Muti out. Uh, it looks like they've been pretty satisfied with uh, the two guys I mentioned that have kind of gone back and forth since then, but they're still figuring out, and that's still going to make a chemistry deal um, at right guard. Even um, they look well. They were thinking about playing Tyrone Sampson, the Bulldogs' four-star recruit, uh, the redshirt freshman now at center last game, and Matt Smith just had his best performance. He was actually named by Pro Football Focus's uh, film grade as the best center in the nation last weekend. So there just wasn't an opportunity to take Smith off the field and put Sampson in. You know, they may try to find a different way to get Tyrone on the field because he's really coming on lately. And, um, you know, Cyrus Tuatelli has done solid at right tackle. He's 
been one of the constants and then Dante bull has missed a game or two, but he's been uh, playing pretty well at left tackle while he's healthy. So there's a few guys they feel pretty good about. And then there's a few spots that could really still go either way by uh, game seven at this point. Mm, Yeah. I mean, things are going to start to, uh, Hopefully the pieces on the offensive line will start to come together now that they're trying to get these pieces moved around into a good position, which will theoretically help the running game, help Ronnie Rivers, but also help Jorge Reyna uh, get more time back back in the backfield. Um, Jorge had a decent night against UNLV uh, and uh, was able to find some some open receivers, right, Jackson? I mean, it looked like a, he was having fun out there for once <laughs> yeah you know, and i think his pocket presence and the ability to have a pocket in the first place was a big part of that uh, you know the numbers don't quite pop off the screen necessarily 16 for 23 for 229 yards and a touchdown he didn't have to do a whole lot um, in fact he was still sitting under 100 yards i think going into the third quarter so it was you know it wasn't necessarily him making bad passes or anything it just wasn't a, a whole lot of opportunity to, to pack up stats but um, in the second half, he really did take advantage of some plays. He had a big third down conversion. He hit uh, Carrick Wheatfall on a big play. Had Darion Grimm downfield for a long uh, 53-yard pass. And uh, we saw Cam Sutton get involved in the passing game with the 25-yard catch. Um, you know, for him, completing almost 70% of his passes, no interceptions. I think you got to be pretty happy with the way that he handled the game and uh, didn't have to do anything over the top, didn't have any critical mistakes, just did exactly what he needed to help the offense get a win. And you know, that's what we saw from Marcus McMarion in the past, and I think Rain is starting to, to figure that out as well. He's he's only had four interceptions. They've been real costly ones, but they've definitely decreased uh, since the, the first two games that ended in pretty disappointing fashion. And and we've got to remember, this is uh, this is – this is his first season at the helm for the Bulldogs, but the problem is it's going to be his first and last season at the helm yeah. for the Bulldogs. So <laughs> he's not going to get that luxury of getting a year under his belt to kind of figure things out. He he needs to pick it up quickly, and so he's he's uh, getting to that point where things are starting to slow down for him a little bit. Uh, we just hope that it would have happened earlier in the season against those big time opponents and in, in those types of situations. But to be all honest. You know, he he hasn't had many snaps at this level of of play for him in his career. And so things are just now starting to kind of kind of come into play for him. And he's starting to kind of figure that out. Uh, But as a whole, the offense looked good. Uh, You know, the tight ends really started to kind of getting involved in this one. I believe it was Cam Sutton who had a big, big catch. Right, Jackson? Yeah, Sutton took one for a good 25 yards and bowled over. A bunch of UNLV defenders at the end of the play, they had to help two of those Rebels off the field. And it just kind of shows what kind of athlete Sutton is and how he could be involved if they throw the ball to him a little bit more. And then we saw Jared Rice catch a touchdown. I believe that was his second of the year. I was still waiting to see him get more involved. He had such a great season last year receiving-wise. But uh, it hasn't been a lot going his way, but they did make it an effort in this past weekend to get him one, and he cashed in for a touchdown. So... We'll see if those that trend continues. Um, they really tried to get those two involved again at the beginning of the Air Force game, and it just seemed to get away from them. But uh, a little bit better use of the tight ends over the past two weeks, for sure. Yeah, and, and for me, I, I love it when the tight end gets involved because it's usually a mismatch when you're getting the tight end against one of those uh, linebackers. Uh, and so by getting the tight ends involved, it really does open up another dimension of this offense. Uh, so so things, uh, things start to look a little bit different when you can get those big boys involved, and I, I really enjoyed seeing that this past week. But they're going to need a lot of that. Uh, they're going to need the, a good play from, from Reyna. They're going to need good play from the tight ends. Um, the, the, I mean, all around, they just need a good effort, especially against a team like Colorado State, who is coming to town here uh, at Bulldog Stadium on homecoming night. Uh, so hopefully there will be a big enough crowd to come and support the Bulldogs against uh, this Colorado State team, who is no slouch by any means, right, Jackson? Yeah, you know, the record is not great, but you dig into this team, and they've got a lot of weapons. Um, you know, 
it's been this way now for a little while with Colorado State, dating back to last season. Uh, they had had three consecutive winning seasons under head coach Mike Bobo, and they had a four-star quarterback and a four-star receiver that were coming in last season for one season as grad transfers. And they just, you know, they never pieced it together. They've got some of the best talent in the Mountain West in the recruiting rankings. And, uh, you know, they've had a system in place now for several years. It seemed like all the recipes there to be a really competitive team. But they just went three and nine last year. And right now they're sitting at two and five. And, you know, it's you scratch your head a little bit when you look into this team. They've got, uh, you know, they're down to their second string quarterback. But he's a guy, Patrick O'Brien, that's already through two 400-yard games. They've got a six foot six receiver who's got over 500 yards, and they've got a 5'10 speedy receiver on the other side that's got over 500 yards too. Uh, they've got the nation's or the Mountain West leading running back, but sounds like he's not going to be able to go for this one for the Rams. Got a, possibly got himself in a little bit of trouble. Uh, but and then you look at the defense; they've got a a run defense that's really struggled. But then you talk to the Fresno State coaches, and they're expecting the Rams to get a few defensive linemen back that may make that more difficult. Uh, their pass defense ranks as the best in the Mountain West or close to it. But um, you wonder how much of that is due to circumstance and maybe because their running defense has been pretty poor that that's helped make that happen. But, yeah, overall, it just doesn't look like a 2-5 and five team, uh, especially talent-wise. But, man, you just, they haven't been able to put results up, and you don't see why that would change against Fresno State either. This, this is a game that even though – on paper, the Rams match up in a lot of ways. The Bulldogs should win this one convincingly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, we did say the same thing about Sacramento State. Remember that one? So that that kind of. <laughs> so the Sacramento State now, it's kind of the opposite. You look at the talent, and Fresno State should have walked all over them. But the team now, if they've really impressed. Then Coach Tedford has made the all the compliments he gave them not look like lip service. Uh, they've gone out and actually beaten uh, some of the top-ranked FCS programs. They're now uh, undefeated in FCS play, actually. Um, so <laughs> Fresno State should always beat Sacramento State. There's no circumstance why they shouldn't uh, year in and year out. But, man, the Hornets are looking like one of the best teams in FCS play right now. They may be a playoff contender there. Yeah, so, well, at least then that does make that uh, whole uh, game of a head-scratcher um, a, a little <laughs> bit more understandable now. Because that one uh, did have leave me kind of scratching my head a little bit. So, but now uh, saying that against Colorado State, who clearly looks like they are struggling, uh, but th- there's always that inkling in the back of my mind that this could be the time where Colorado State gets it put together and give the Bulldogs all they can handle. Uh, so, uh, it, it for whatever reason, it it always looks like when a team is down, they come out to uh, against Fresno State and they give it all they got because that's their bowl game for some reason. Um, and it could very well happen again uh, where the Colorado State comes out and just gives it their all against the, the Fresno State Bulldogs. But... Offensively matching up here um, with Reyna at the helm, uh, maybe an offensive line looking like they're getting their pieces put together the way they should. Do you see the the Bulldogs having a lot of room here uh, on offense against Colorado State? Yeah, you know, kind of a similar story as last week with UNLV, but on paper, the Bulldogs should have their best opportunity to run the ball. And you know, it didn't. It worked out, and it didn't work out against UNLV, as mentioning earlier. Um, the traditional running game did not put up the greatest numbers, but the running game as a, a whole did put up pretty solid numbers. So, you, know, you could see something similar coming out of this game. Um, you know, this might be one where Fresno State can break those big runs, and really, you know, Reyna and Cropper have been the guys to do it so far. So, I would definitely look for Cropper to take one or two. Uh, those uh, jet sweep plays for big gains again in this one. And I'd look for Reyna to possibly keep a few more of those read option plays again uh, to really open things up with the running game. Uh, and then you hope that Rivers and Hokit can maybe take a step forward, maybe break out a few more of those chunk yardage plays that uh, the Bulldogs just haven't gotten with those two guys quite yet. Uh, and then hopefully that'll set up the passing game. Uh, again, Colorado State statistically very good against the pass, but uh, you don't know for sure uh, how proven that is. Again, um, you know, it's a defense that's given up a lot of points. You look at 55, they gave up to Arkansas, 52 to Colorado, 
41 to Toledo, 34 to Utah State, 24 to San Diego State, all those losses. Um, now, again, five losses. You can't really blame them too much for losing any of those games. There's not a bad team in the bunch. Uh, Arkansas, if that's your worst loss as a SES team, or SEC team, excuse me, uh, that's a pretty, I mean, in most schedules, you're going to have a pretty good record. But for Colorado State, they've had a pretty rough go of it. They've only been able to beat New Mexico and Western Illinois. And uh, it's not going to get much easier on Saturday for them against the Bulldogs either. No, things uh, things hopefully should be, uh, you know, Colorado State should have a hand, their hands full against this uh, Fresno State offense, uh, especially if rain is clicking on all cylinders. Uh, the weapons for the Bulldogs on offense are starting to show themselves. You've got Cropper uh, always on that end around. Uh, you've got Amoria Edwards coming into his own as a, a, as a really reliable wide receiver. Uh, I mean, the young guys are really stepping up, really causing problems for these for these uh, defenses uh, for, of the opponents who really don't know very much about these <laughs> about these players because they haven't really seen them yet. Uh, and so that has kind of been the advantage for the Bulldogs in the last couple of weeks. And I don't see that changing any anytime soon. Uh, especially with Cropper on the, those in rounds, keeping these teams uh, honest, right, Jackson? I mean, they haven't really been able to stop Cropper yet this season, no matter who was up against them. Yeah, you know, it still hasn't happened. He's averaging 21 yards a carry on 12 <laughs> of those in rounds this season. It's ridiculous. Um, you know, I think the worst gain is still only about five, five to seven yards. I mean, he's taking it. Even if it's not a, a play where he houses it, he's getting a decent amount of yards and more than they typically get in the running game anyway. Uh, so, I mean, that's been solid. I mean, Fresno State's just their stat sheet on the season is kind of a head scratcher. Uh, Crapper's their second leading rusher on the year with just 12 carries. Um, you know, Reyna's got the second most carries with all the sacks and everything included as the fourth leading rusher on the team. Uh, receiving wise, it's so spread out. Uh, Zane Pope has probably not really stood out in terms of big plays for Fresno State, but he's the leading receiver with 26 catches with uh, 269 yards. And then you've got a bunch of guys, you know, Grimm with 15 catches, Wheatfall and Coleman with nine, Edwards with 13. It's just spread out all over the place. There's not really a whole lot of standouts on the stat sheet, and uh, that's got to make life interesting for opposing defenses that are game planning for the dogs. Um you know, Fresno State doesn't really have many go-to guys at this point, but they've got a lot of weapons to pick from, and they've been very happy to cycle them in and out and make a whole different, a uh, bunch of different packages to work with. Yeah, it it does, like you said, it makes things very difficult for defenses to defend against because they can't really key in on any particular player because the ball is being spread around so much, uh, um, especially in the wide receiver core. So things do work in the favor of the Bulldogs in that situation. But, you know, now that we look at the flip side, the Fresno State's defense against Colorado State, how do you see that one matching up? I mean, we've got uh, this starting the season. It looked like the Bulldogs defense was going to be the the heart and soul of the Bulldogs. But they've kind of struggled, uh, you know, especially against that game against uh, Air Force, uh, where they just kind of look like at some point they just gave up at one point. So I don't know, Jackson. What, what do you see happening here with the Fresno State defense against this Colorado State offense? Yeah, Colorado State, again, they've got a, a really interesting group of weapons to work with, and it's going to be difficult matchups. It's definitely in the passing game, probably going to be the biggest challenge for Fresno State, who's had to cycle in a variety of different cornerbacks. You know, started out with Chris Gaston. He got hurt. Sean Ruffin came in. He got hurt. Randy uh, Jordan was in there, and then they moved Chris Coleman from receiver to cornerback, and those two guys have gone back and forth since then. So far, none of that's really hurt the Bulldogs in those one-on-one matchups with a, a corner-receiver uh, situations, but this is one where it could. Uh, the Rams do have two really solid receiving targets to throw to you know, one stands at six foot six and that's really going to make things interesting because you know, if Chris Gaston is really the one corner that can match up there and if he's not good to go uh, that could cause some trouble for some other bulldog cornerbacks looking at Warren Jackson a six foot six junior 40 catches for 541 yards and five touchdowns on the season he's definitely going to be a tough matchup and then on the other side Dante Wright 
37 catches for 592 yards and three touchdowns. You know, the Rams are known to put up big numbers in the passing game at times for sure. And those are two guys Fresno State's got to lock in on. Uh, it's going to be probably the biggest test of the passing game they've seen since maybe USC. Um, New Mexico State had some of that, but not quite the talent. Um, and then in the running game, fortunately, Fresno State does not have to see Marvin Kinsey Jr., who is leading the Mountain West in rushing, uh, suspended indefinitely this week when makes you wonder about where the Rams' heads are at at this point of the year. Uh, they're struggling, and it just got worse with that kind of a deal over the week. Um, and they really haven't had much else to speak of in the running game. Uh, Marcus McElroy is their second running back. He's only touched the ball 30 times, uh, 33 times for 123 yards. So uh, I ex- would definitely expect them to go heavy on the pass without their top rushing weapon. Um, they like to run the ball, but... Uh, they are definitely willing to air it out, spread things out, and throw it around, and that might be what Fresno State has to face. Yeah, it's definitely going to be the type of uh, – I, I I agree with you. It's going to be the type of uh, offense that they're going to see is going to be uh, more pass-heavy, I believe. And uh, it could make for uh, a long night if both teams are just passing all night long. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, we've been there before where, you know, all of a sudden – uh, we're looking, it's almost uh, 9.30, and uh, we're still in the second quarter. Um, so it, it could be a long game if if both teams are going to rely on the pass. But I do suspect that the Bulldogs may try and get their running game going to kind of counteract some of this uh, and, and shorten up the game a little bit. But uh, facing this Colorado State team, I, I think uh, the Bulldogs – can have an opportunity to kind of shut down some of this uh this offense um but one one thing that we kind of we didn't hit on uh for the blogs was their kicking game jackson this one still is a big question mark um as to what is going on there again the kicker uh kind of struggled against unlv uh, there jackson and do you see more of that continuing? Do we possibly see some fresh legs in there? What do you think about that one? You know, as of now, it doesn't sound like that's going to be the plan. Uh, Coach Tedford stood behind Cesar Silva in the post-game press conference last weekend. Um, you know, didn't even put much of the blame on him, really. Uh, only had one of the three kicks where he claimed Silva really pushed it and, and missed it. There was a 50-yarder that... Uh, you know they're not going to put too much blame on him for missing. He hasn't made one of those yet this season, zero for two, and uh, it's never easy to kick from that far out. And then on the chip shot that the Bulldogs missed, uh, they attributed that to a, uh, a botched snap and hold there that didn't give him a chance to put it through the uprights. But zero for three is concerning, no matter how it happens. Um, it's the second time he's been zero for three as well, which is especially concerning. Uh, but then again, he's had nights of three for three, three for three, two for three, one for one. I mean, it seems like it's all or nothing with him, and <laughs> that it's a weird kind of situation because it's not like you don't know what's going to happen on a given kick. It's more of what's going to happen on a given night, and perhaps we'll see if maybe they alter what they do based off a, a first or second kick attempts to where they start going for it more later on down the down the road in the game but in terms of putting him out there for the first time they've still been very confident that they can do that and um, maybe we'll see if they adjust things throughout the course of the game yeah that uh that could be uh, hopefully you know he's able to kind of get things uh, back in order um it, for me it feels like it's kind of a a head game for him. I mean, once he misses one, he gets him. He gets in his own head, uh, and then starts pulling it, uh, and just can't get it through the uprights. But he he did seem to do okay on those extra points. Uh, but that I did, I, I did have a great angle of that botched kick. And what I saw was that ball when it was snapped, uh, it gets t- to the holder, and instead of the ball being held straight up and down, it, it was actually held on the ground on its side kind of like the long the long ways like a hot dog on the ground that's the way the ball was when he kicked it so there's absolutely no chance he was going to get that one up in the air uh that one is attributed to the holder he wasn't able to get that ball 
uh, where it needed to be uh, in order for the kicker to get it up in the air. So I, I don't think anybody could get that ball up in the air with the football laying lengthwise on the on the ground, right, Jackson? That's just kind of <laughs> kind of impossible. Um, when you kick it, it's just going to go straight, you know, at the defenders. Um, so with no elevation whatsoever. So that's that that I, I do agree was not his fault. That was completely. Um, missed by the holder there and i believe that was reyna right reyna does all the holding uh you know i believe cusick holds on the field goals and reyna often on the extra points i know both of them kind of go back and forth so i'm not exactly sure who was in on that one um i believe it would have been blake cusick yeah so that the you know that explains that kick but as far as everything else um you know a long one can't blame that one on him so really yeah one one missed kick could be attributed uh, to being his fault. Uh, But, you know, moving on, Jackson, what do you expect from this game? What do you expect to see uh, heading into this uh, matchup against Colorado State? Yeah, you know, I I expect, I'm not 100% sure if it's going to happen, but I expect the team to kind of build off of the way that they played against UNLV and maybe have a different feel to this team that we haven't had all season long. Um, you know, they came up just short in those first two games against some really good opponents, and then they really weren't all that impressive in beating Sacramento State and New Mexico State. And what they did against UNLV was really the first confidence-building win where you felt like, you know, they did most of everything pretty well. There weren't You didn't leave a, a win really concerned about a lot of things the way that you were against... Uh, Sacramento State and New Mexico State. So for me, uh, I, I expect the Bulldogs to build off of that and have a similar game against Colorado State. Um, it would be pretty concerning if they regress a little bit and have to play a much closer game, especially with the opponents coming up. They have a trip to Hawaii. Uh, they have Utah State coming to town and at San Diego State. Now, if they can win this one against the Rams, that's really going to put some high stakes on those games coming up and really show what the Bulldogs are made of going forward. But if this is a tight one or if the Rams were able to even pull off a win in Bulldog Stadium, you'd feel pretty down about the Bulldogs' odds going into that stretch of games and going forward. So a game that the Bulldogs got to win, they should win, and we'll see if they can put together two full games like that in a row. Yeah, because as of right now, the Bulldogs no longer hold their own destiny in their own hands. Uh, They pretty much are going to have to win out uh, in order to secure that uh, the position to play in the Mountain West Championship game. So uh, as things are starting to kind of play out in the Mountain West, uh, Bulldogs just need to take care of business in order to secure that one uh, that one spot to, to go to that championship. Um, but w- before we start to kind of check out what's going around in the Mountain West, last week on the podcast, we did mention uh, that the Fresno State Bulldogs lost a huge commitment on a recruit. Um, and, you know, we were kind of wondering what the Bulldogs were going to do to kind of recover. But uh, this week, it sounds like they've kind of answered back. Uh, by gaining two commitments this week, right, Jackson? And w- what more can you tell us about what happened here this past week? Yeah, one of those being uh, at the pivotal uh, quarterback position, the, the one that the Bulldogs lost with Jaden Casey slipping from Fresno State to Cal. Uh, the Bulldogs were able to add another quarterback commit within a week. So, uh, you know, a quick answer for the Bulldogs. They were able to, to backfill that spot pretty quickly with the commitment from Logan Fife of Tracy High School. Um uh, a guy that they've had their eye on for quite some time, and that goes back to these camps that Fresno State holds over the summer, where uh, you know the camps that I usually go out and cover, and a lot of high school recruits and, and top prospects go out there to work with the coaches and show what they can do. And uh, Fife and Casey have been there the last few years, and uh, that was the same night we learned Casey committed back in 2018. Was at one of those camps and. It was him and Fife and five other quarterbacks that Coach Tedford handpicked to work with. And so they definitely knew who Logan Fife was. Uh, last year at the camp, it was, again, Casey and Fife and two others. So the four of them, uh, four of those quarterbacks and Coach Tedford all worked pretty close together that day. And uh, talking to Fife, you know, he obviously knew that uh, Casey had that scholarship and he wanted to prove every bit to the coaching staff that he was as good or better or. If something happened to Casey, that he could be the Bulldogs' next guy up. 
And that's exactly what happened. And he put himself right in that perfect situation to be the guy. You know, he he stands at six foot, uh, just about two hundred. So he's a smaller quarterback, similar to Casey. Um, he does have a, a pretty solid arm. He, he's pretty athletic as well. Uh, it's just someone that Fresno State has had their eye on for a while. And the cool thing about Fife, uh, he posted a, a picture on Twitter of him at Bulldog Stadium as a young kid with his family. Says it's his childhood dream to be a Bulldog and uh, definitely connects with the Valley. He wants to be a, an ag or some sort of major to do with ag, whether it be ag business or ag engineering. He's uh, talking about how he worked on some family uh, family friends, farms and dairies and things over the years. So uh, definitely a kid that's all into Fresno State. And it was uh, you know, kind of similar to Casey. He had to make a call to Cal Poly where he was committed before. Um, but again, this is what he wanted and uh, works out for a really good situation for Fife. And uh, around the same time frame, the Bulldogs had a tight end recruit as well. Uh, Matt Lowe, a three-star recruit he's actually listed as a defensive end on 24 7 sports and was recruited as a linebacker by both arizona state and boise state but he's going to be a tight end for the bulldogs and you know a big get for fresno state to go head to head with those two schools i just mentioned before and to win this early on in the process where he doesn't even take visits to those schools uh, that was a big one for fresno state and uh a class that's still pretty small at this point, but a, a big win with uh, low for sure to, to secure him at this stage. Yeah. And you mentioned it. It's been a small class so far. Do you expect the things to kind of start to, to really take off quickly here in the next month as we head into November, uh, right before that uh, December, the, that first signing period in December, uh, you expect to see some of these uh, recruits start to, to really make their decision going into November. Yeah, definitely. And um, just to pump the premium board a little bit, we we brought back our recruiting hot board, which is uh, we consider to be the best recruiting source uh, for Fresno State football. We take all the prospects that Fresno State's going after, you know, rank them by a variety of, of factors, whether it be their twenty four seven sports rankings, you know, the Bulldog team needs, uh, the interest of the recruit in Fresno State, what we think the Bulldogs' odds are of getting them, and. You know, those other special factors that sometimes give Fresno State an edge. And, man, it was tough to narrow down that list. Uh, uh, I've posted about 20 recruits on there for just this initial uh, return of the hot board. And, you know, a lot of guys that Fresno State has a serious shot at, guys that are planning their official visits right now, um, guys that are naming top threes and fours that Fresno State are included in. So, Definitely a, a group of recruits there that the Bulldogs look like they're in the mix for down the stretch. And uh, again, a lot of official visits starting to come up pretty soon. Uh, with a Saturday game, there should be a pretty good group of recruits uh, that Fresno State will have on hand for uh, the game against Colorado State. And we'll have that list for you shortly after the game. And right now, uh, we're offering another promo. If you get in for one month, uh, we'll give you two free months on top of that. And that's going on right now. Uh, through the weekend so if you're not already a member yeah you can subscribe there and get all the scoop on the recruiting news for fresno state and uh, we also had a bunch of uh, premium stories over the past weekend of uh, recruits as well so uh, a lot of coverage to catch up on if you're not already a member yeah, definitely. We've got plenty going on over at the Bark Board, um, all the inside scoops uh, on things. So if you haven't done so already, I highly recommend it. Head on over, get yourself a premium subscription and check out what we have to offer over there. Uh, but before we, we shut down the podcast, Jackson, we're going to take a look at the Mountain West. And I mentioned earlier, things are going to start to shake out. Um, again, looking at the Mountain West, we see the usual suspects, Boise State still holding strong, being ranked in the nation, taking care of business so far in that mountain division. Um, do you see anything happening to kind of really disrupt that uh, going further into the season? No, they're taking care of business in the mountain division, but they lost a, a rough one against BYU last weekend, and you know, they were able to hold on to that top 25 ranking. Uh, they didn't fall too far back, but... Uh, they didn't quite look the same without their quarterback, Kank Bachmeyer, and I'm not sure um, how long he's going to be out. They probably, you know, they've got San Jose State, or they've got to buy this weekend. Then they go to San Jose State, 
Um, they might have a tough game against Wyoming. Then they've got New Mexico. Then they go to Utah State. So you know, if they can get him back before Utah State, I think they're probably in good shape. If they are still without him at that point, the, the Aggies could really give them a game. And maybe you know, that's probably going to determine the Mountain Division. Both of those teams are 3-0 and right now. And then Air Force really still trying to find a way to, to slide back in through the, the back end, having lost to the Broncos already. Um, you know, the way the Broncos played at BYU and the way that Air Force demolished Hawaii last weekend, I almost feel like Air Force is the, the hottest team right now, and they will play Utah State themselves this weekend. So uh, another measuring stick to see how good the Falcons really are and how good Utah State is, too, uh, with the a new head coach who's also their old head coach from the past uh, this is a, a team that has lost, uh, they lost big at LSU, um, which makes it feel like maybe they're not quite the national competitor. We thought they could be, uh, but they are undefeated in conference play and definitely competing. Um, and then right now in the West, a lot of things trending down for a lot of teams, but San Diego state starting to be kind of the old reliable, uh, emerging out of there. Uh, they are the most impressive in the way they win, but they've been pretty dominant uh, on the field. They will run the clock. They will run the ball. They will play hard defense, and they will come away with a uh, marginal victory that makes you feel like you got beat up. So that's uh, the same kind of San Diego State team right now, and they seem to be building a lot of confidence at 6-1 and one overall and 3-1 and one in Mountain West play. But you know, talking to, to Coach Grubb, uh, uh, Fresno State's offensive coordinator at practice um, he feels like Fresno State's a team that's improving and it's kind of been the MO in the Mountain West the past couple of years that this is about the time where the top end teams start to break away and the bottom half teams kind of spiral out and we've seen quite a bit of that uh, this week with New Mexico losing their quarterback uh, to a suspension as we mentioned Colorado State losing their star running back to a suspension Hawaii, a team that started out real hot, has now got two bad losses in a row. They lose one of their receivers to suspension or is kicked off the team, actually. So uh, I think kind of the Mountain West starting to break off that top half from the bottom half. And uh, we'll see if some of those trends continue or if it becomes a little more random the way it has been <laughs> the, the first few weeks of the season. <laughs> things things have been uh, really odd this season as far as the teams in the Mountain West. Um, I, you know, I was I, I was kind of confused by some of the play early on, uh, but now things are starting to, like you said, they're starting to to really show themselves as to who is going to be the top teams and who is not. Um, we do know that the the Bulldogs right now um, is kind of right now it's kind of Doctor Jekyll Mister Hyde with the Bulldogs. I'm not really sure where they fall into uh, in this division yet, but um, if they continue to kind of put the pieces together, they should come out on top in the um, West Division uh, and really just kind of sit back and watch and see who they're going to play against in the Mountain Division. Uh, do you kind of get that sense, Jackson? You know, it's, it's still kind of a wait and see, I think, with Fresno State. You know, after the Air Force game, it felt really bad. After the UNLV game, you feel really good about where things are. <laughs> it could uh, go either way with Colorado State this weekend, too. It's just we haven't seen a string of games yet from the Bulldogs that give you a lot of confidence of how good or average this team might be. And uh, if they can get a good win against Colorado State, you probably feel pretty good about your chances going to Hawaii. And then uh, another big game against uh, Utah State at home at San Diego State that would probably determine uh, the division champion. So there's still a lot up for grabs and teams that are, are going to give Fresno State trouble, but a good chance to set the table for Fresno State on Saturday for sure. Yeah, so that's going to be a kind of a, a measuring stick, so to speak, uh, this week uh, against Colorado State. So things things can start to uh, open up for the Bulldogs. If they're able to take care of Colorado State, they put themselves in a good position moving forward uh, in order to try uh, and make it all the way to uh, San Diego State to take that, uh, that West Division um, crown uh, and then head over to the Mountain West Championship. But it's going to be... It's going to be a, a tough road ahead. The Bulldogs are going to have to get some pieces put together. Uh, they're going to have to kind of get things figured out. And uh, if they can put a complete game together from start to finish against Colorado State, I'm pretty sure uh, that I'm going to feel a hell of a lot more confident uh, moving forward as you will, Jackson, right? 
Yeah, definitely. And as mentioned, the, the next game after that will be Hawaii, and they're a team that it, they've had two rough weeks <laughs> the past couple of weeks playing against Boise State and Air Force. That may just be a, a product of the competition, but uh, clearly the Rainbow Warriors looking to be a, a beatable opponent, and especially if Fresno State can defend the passing game pretty well against the Rams, then you feel pretty good about what they can do against uh, UH as well the following week. Yeah, so uh, hopefully uh, it'll be signs of things to come uh, moving forward if uh, the Bulldogs can put a good game together this uh, this uh, this weekend against Colorado State. But that being said, Jackson, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up. Any final thoughts uh, uh, as we close up this podcast? Yeah, again, uh, just get that promo out there. Uh, we've got buy one month, get two free if you're not already a subscriber. So make sure you take advantage of that. Uh, that'll get you through football season and the recruiting action as well. And uh, we're obviously always covering the Bulldogs all year round. And so we hope that you stick around as well as we continue to cover recruiting and off season and basketball and everything else that goes on beyond football season. Yeah. So uh, again, check out the markboard.com uh, for all your latest news on Fresno State. Uh, you know, we we do break a lot a lot of news before. The local news does quite often, so to speak. So uh, you would get the inside track on a lot of the news uh, moving forward if you uh, go ahead and check out thebarkboard.com. That being said, you can find Jackson on Twitter at JacksonMoore247, and you can find me on Twitter at RedWaveReport. Go over to our Facebook page and give that a like. And uh, if you want to also reach out to us, you can do so on the boards. Uh, just look for our names and send us a private, private message, and we'll get back to you. But that being said, I want to thank everyone for joining us and join us again back next week as we continue the ongoing coverage of Fresno State Athletics.